Hey there, and happy Throwback Thursday. Hoping your week has been kind so far. It's Katrina again from Team Emily, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the Aligned and Unstoppable podcast. We have a fantastic episode for you today with none other than Emily Ahrens and Andrea Michelle. I love this episode because Andrea talks about how she went from a victim to a victor, speaking on how she changed her life by changing her perspective. Emily and Andrea talk about being mothers and being business owners, as well as the power of understanding to reinvent who you want to become and release limiting beliefs. I really appreciated learning about how to live your life in alignment when you're stepping into a sort of new identity. If you're ready to learn the four steps you need in order to find your purpose, even if you're at a crossroads, then this episode is for you. Let's get into it. You're listening to the Aligned and Unstoppable podcast. I'm your host, Emily Ahrens. I'm an entrepreneur and highly sought after energy healer with over two decades in practice. I'm a mixture of high vibe energy and cutting edge strategy with a little dash of unfiltered real talk, making this the one and only podcast that gives you a down to earth approach to business and spirituality. Tune in each week to get out of the stress of overworking so you can build a brand in alignment with your soul's purpose. If there's one thing I've learned the hard way, it's that you have to stop looking outside yourself for the answer and start looking within. We all have a unique path and it's time you start trusting in yourself. The truth is you already have everything you need. You just need to learn how to access it. Now, let's dive in. It's time you experience business and soul alignment. Welcome back, listeners. It's good to have you here again. I am so honored to have my next guest with us. Andrea Michelle is one of my clients, and she's one of the mentees of the Phoenix Mentorship. But I've actually known Andrea for a couple of years. We have experienced some incredible spiritual conversations together. One of the things I love about Andrea is that she's just like a doer. She like just gets it done. But she does it from such a deep spiritual knowing place that I think what you're going to like really resonate with was just this deep, powerful knowing, this beautiful goddess energy that comes through. But what the reason why I wanted Andrea to come on, the reason why I invited her to come on the podcast is because she is a leading expert in the purpose field. So I get people coming to me all the time who are like, Emily, would you just tell me my freaking purpose and everyone will be happy? Just let me know. No one's going to get hurt. Just tell me my purpose, okay? And I'm constantly like, no, please. No, that's not what I do. I will help you unlock your intuition. <laughs> Andrea's like cracking up, like silently cracking up over here. I'm like, I will tell you your intuition. I'll unlock your intuition. But like when it comes to purpose, that's not my jam. You just go internally and do your intuition. <laughs> and I'm like, but what I really should be doing is funneling them towards Andrea because she's actually gone through and created a like a framework that gets you to those results. So it doesn't matter if you have just like a kind of general understanding that you have something 
more to give or there's something in you or you're further along on your path and you're like, look, I know this is my purpose. Like, help me dial it in even more, Andrea. Um, So that's why I want to have her on because so many of my clients and students um, are like, just help me with my purpose already. So if you've been wondering what your purpose is, you've got to probably listen to this episode a few times and reach out to Andrea. So before I keep babbling, I want to pass it over to Andrea and let her sort of introduce herself and let the listeners know sort of how did you get to this place where you are helping people find their bliss? Wow. (laughs) That introduction was absolutely amazing. (laughs) Thank you so much, Emily. You're welcome. And thank you to your listeners for even taking a second to, or a minute, or however long it takes for us to get through this episode. I appreciate their presence. So as Emily said, I am a a coach and I actually help women leaders um, discover their purpose and their passion, find their balance, reconnect with and find their identities so that they can create more happiness, fall in love with themselves, make more money because that's important, right? And and live an abundant life. And, And so how this journey started for me was when I was 19 years old, I asked myself the, you know, the major question in life, who am I, right? And when I asked that question, honestly, I really didn't ask it from a philosophical who art thou perspective because, well, I was only 19, but I really wanted to know who I was because I did not have the very best upbringing. I know, you know, a lot of people who are coaches, some of them start from, you know, cushy backgrounds and all that. That wasn't me. I grew up in poverty. I grew up with having divorced parents. I grew up in some of the worst neighborhoods in the city. And through growing up that way, I just learned that, you know, that that I had to be responsible for my life and that if there were certain things that I didn't do, then life wouldn't happen for me. And so I understood that there was something that I had to do, some responsibility that I had. And that's what led me to the question of, well, who am I? You know, who am I to think that I can do more? Who am I to think that I can have more? Who am I to think that that this this huge world that's out there, it belongs to me? And so I asked it from that, that perspective at 19 years old. And again, I was 19, but that really started my process of really looking within and and going within myself and and really looking at my past and really trying to, to understand it and not looking at my past from this perspective of, oh, life is great and life is grand because I didn't have that, but look, really looking at the pain and the things that, that I suffered through, right? And, and looking at the guilt and looking at the shame that, that I had attached to my identity. And, and not only that, but the blame that I had placed on myself for the things that have happened in my life, you know, blaming myself for my parents' divorce, blaming myself for living in poverty, blaming myself for being, you know, molested as a little girl. You know, I had to really truly deal with all of that. And, and again, at 19, that's what started Started my journey of being this really trying to dig down into what is my purpose? Who am I? Why am I here? I know that was a long story, but that's, that's no. how it started. No, it's not a long story, but also just seeing like from a 19 year old to say, to be introspective, who am I? And I also appreciate you sharing like this wasn't this like 
perfect golden yellow brook road. What is it? You follow the yellow brook road. It wasn't this like perfect. I had to sing this song. That was ridiculous. It wasn't this perfect path because life was just so cushy. And I find that there's this like misconception that people who are very wise and put together and spiritually connected and successful have come from that. Right. When more often the opposite is true. We've come from adversity. We've come from traumatic events. We've come from broken homes. We've come from bad neighborhoods. And it's in that space where just exactly like you said, we are forced to go within because outside sucks. Yes, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) That's our only option, right? Like we have to go within because you're like something help. Like, like that's, I think it stokes it from an early age is because it's like outside is not so good. So how can I create peace? How can I find something better than this? And you, you, like there's a knowing that there's something better than this. So would you mind sharing a little bit about your awakening experience from that point and your prayers and how your connection with God started to really show up? Yes, absolutely. I'm so glad you asked about my relationship to God and my connection because that really truly is, um, it's the foundation of who I am. So I asked the question at 19. And then when I was 20 years old, I decided to give my life to Christ. And what that looked like for me is First of all, before I gave my life to Christ, there was what they call the wooing of the spirit. And and what that looks like is that, you know, you get this feeling of, okay, stop drinking, stop smoking, stop having sex, like stop doing all of these things that really um, are harmful to the body. And when I started getting these feelings, I didn't know what, what they meant. Right. I was just like, okay, well, I'm going to stop listening to this kind of music and I'll go buy. (laughs) And this is when like cassette tapes were a thing. So I was like, I'll go buy a cassette tape and put it in my Walkman because I walked to, (laughs) I walked to work in the morning. So I bought like a gospel tape. Um, and I would listen to it. And then again, it was like, okay, we'll stop smoking weed and stop drinking. And, and I didn't do a lot of those things, but I did it occasionally. Right. And so I stopped doing those things. So I was 20 years old and I had it set up in my mind that when I turn 21, I'm going to party in Chicago and then I'm going to party in Atlanta because I'd be legal. I could get in all the clubs and I could do all the things and, and all of that. And six months before I turned 20, I had an encounter with with God, source, universe, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it is up to you. For me, I call it God. And I heard this audible voice, just like you can hear me. It said, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and I'm the God over you. And from that point on, my life has never been the same. And it was almost like there was this this crazy exchange for you know, my guilt and my shame and all of my burdens for love. And I began to really see life from a completely different perspective, not from the perspective of being the victim of things that happened to me, but from the perspective of being a victor, knowing that if if God, if this huge God would, would take time to say something to little old Andrea of all the billions of people in the world, then that meant 
for me, for Andrea, that there was something special and very powerful about my life. And it let me know that because he did that, he, she, I really don't think it's a he or she. I think we use those terms to, for our human understanding, but for it to take time to speak to me was extremely powerful. And that was, was like my awakening to like, oh my gosh, there really truly is something, something greater, something beyond me. And, and not only that, but I am a part of this greatness. Mm. Was there a specific incident or event when you were 20 when that happened? Or was it just like one day you woke up and you're like, hey, today's Tuesday and God talked to me? Yeah. No, thank you. That's another great question. So so I was a, I was I attend, attended a church and we had a, a three day it's called a revival. It's basically like a three day program where you sing music and praise God and and all of that. So we had this three-day revival. And the first night I went to this revival, it was a Wednesday. And I was like, because I, again, you know, I talked about the wooing of the spirit where I had let so many things, where I stopped doing certain things. And so the first night I went to the revival and I said, okay, God, if you are real, you need to talk to me. Like something needs to happen. Like I need to have an experience. So the first night came and went nothing. The second night, Again, I said, God, if you are real, then you need to show yourself to me. Like, I need to feel you. I need to know that you're real. Second night came and went, nothing happened. So the third night, the third day came and it was a good Friday. And I remember I worked in the bank. I was a personal banker. And I remember sitting at my desk and I said, all right, God, if you don't show yourself to me tonight at the, this revival, then I'm going back to doing everything that I was doing before. I'm going back to the drinking. I'm going back to, to everything that I was doing before. If you don't speak to me. And, <laughs> and, and I, so you gave God, God an ultimatum. I, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Listen here, yes. God. <laughs> Keep going. I love, I love it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I never thought of it as an ultimatum, but yeah, that's exactly what I did. But, and now that you say it like that is further proof that we're the creators of our own reality. So, you know, I gave God this ultimatum and I said, if you don't show yourself to me, if I don't feel you tonight, I'm going, and I'm going back to doing what I was doing. And I was 100% serious. If I wouldn't have felt God that night, the next day I would have probably picked up a blunt and smoked some weed. I'm, I'm not kidding. Yeah. So I go to church that night and I remember sitting there during the service, you know, the, the preacher guy is up preaching. And I remember sitting there and for the most part, I had my eyes closed because I'm like, okay, I want to make sure I feel God when he, you know, closed my eyes. The big night. Yep. Yeah. So I had my eyes closed during the entire service. And then at the end of the service, the, the, the guy who was preaching, he called me up and honestly, he said something to me. But I don't remember what he said, because once he called me up, that's when I heard God. And then what people told me, so, so he called me up and then I heard the voice of God and, and I guess I fell out and like people were behind me to catch me. And they told me after that, after this happened, and this was years Fell later, out like you physically fell backwards? Physically fell backwards okay. because I heard like the powerful yeah. voice of God. It just took and, you, yeah. Yes. And, and I didn't, they didn't tell me this until years later, but they said, Andrea, when you fell back, you were as light as a feather. And I don't even remember hitting the ground, but they said I physically was as light, like, and, and I was like 200 some pounds then. So I, you know, I wasn't like a feather. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> but they were 
like when you fell out, you were as light as a feather. And I was like, wow. And I don't remember ever hitting the ground either, to be perfectly yeah. honest with you. I just knew what the encounter meant for me. So wow. God listened to my ultimatum and he, you know, he heeded my whatever I said. <laughs> Be obliged. <laughs> but but you're right, that is powerful because you kind of came to a crossroads. You're like, I'm serious. Look, you either show up or we're all, we're done. Right. <laughs> but I, I really love that and I appreciate that you also realize like you are co-creating that. You're like, this is going to happen right now. And I think that in every situation of our life, we can kind of give ourselves that ultimatum as well. It doesn't have to be like in our private relationships. We can do that with our own faith. We can say, look, I better see a sign. I better, like, we can use this in so many different ways. So you had this ultimatum, you saw, you you listened to God, and it started to shift something in you. You start to go even deeper within. Yes. Yeah. Tell me more. Tell me more. Yes. Yeah. So, so again, as I said before, it was then this, this strange exchange for guilt and shame for love. And so the, the lens through which I viewed life was through the, through the lens of love. And, and what I understood is that in order for God to love me the way that he does, it starts first with a love of himself. Like he has to love himself that much in order for, for him to love me as much as he does. And so I took that to mean that, okay, so in order for me to truly love someone, in order for me to be in right relationship with someone, then, then it starts with me. Like everything starts with me. And so then the question of who am I became even more important because now I had a, I had a different frame of reference to view my life, not from the perspective of the victim and the crime and the poverty and the abuse, but from the position of love. Mm. And even just pausing to take that sentence in, it was looking at everything from the lens of love. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm looking at the lens of love through my life, through my childhood and through all the things that have happened to me, if this was done in an act of love, so that my soul could evolve, so that I could serve. And this was a gift from God and also from me. And I'm also God. Yes. Like, what a different perspective, how different the story looks, how different the image looks, how different the trauma looks. And you also said that he has to love himself. Like we say, oh, you can't pour from an empty cup. This is the same exact thing. If you're a mother, you're a business owner, you are number one. Be the change you wish to see in the world. Like this is the same, these are the same exact concepts in different words. So yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So bringing yourself down this path, you're seeing this filter of love. Things are starting to shift and show up for you. Let's kind of get that mode. Like how did you get from that point, that place to now you're helping other people with their bliss. Like what, what have you been training, learning, like share us a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so my, what, you know, what do they call it? She's classically trained when, right. when talking of chefs, right? Like, <laughs> like, or, or music. So what's interesting about where I am today is that it looks completely different than where I thought I would be 
because so I have my MBA, my master's of business administration, and my undergrad is in accounting. <laughs> and I actually spent most of my adulthood, actually all of my adulthood in the accounting and finance field. So I spent 15 years climbing the corporate ladder and retired in June of just last year. But I am also a certified life coach and I am waiting to get the results back to find out if I'm actually a certified NLP practitioner. And for those of you who don't know what NLP is, it's neuro-linguistic programming and all of that is just to say it's a technique to interrupt patterns. It's a pattern interrupt. So I've submitted, I passed the exam, submitted all the paperwork and just waiting for the, to hear back from the board. But how I got to, you know, really where I am today from being this corporate controller, having a successful six-figure corporate career to where I am today is because, you know, I found myself again at a crossroads. And the the thing about life is that we will always find ourselves at a crossroad when it's time for us to up-level. Mm. When it's time for us to do something powerful, when it's time for us to do something great, there will always be a crossroad. And the reason why that crossroad exists is to prove the fact that we are the creators or co-creators, whichever makes it feel better, of our lives, right? Like God, universe, they're not going to force you to do anything. Your life is a matter of choice in every day, every second, every minute, we are making a choice. And so, you know, I found myself at a crossroads and it's actually when I was becoming a, a certified life coach. And so I, 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 you know, enrolled in this program and part of the program teaches you how to build your coaching practice. And at this time, when I enrolled in the program, I was on track to be the CFO And I was like, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to open my own practice. I just want to be a life coach to help people. Like that's, I just want to be certified to help people, you know, build my resume. Cause again, I'm thinking corporate analytical, got to have the stats and all of that. And so, you know, I then at that point, I had to go through this reconciliation process and I had to reconcile my head with my heart because I had to ask myself, my head was saying, Andrea, CFO, like when you first took your first accounting course, that was your dream. You wanted to be a CFO. And anyone who is an accountant, they understand that the CFO, that's like, you can't get any higher than that. And so that was like my purpose. And that was what I wanted. That was my head saying, Andrea, you can have this, the prestige of being the CFO. You can be a partner at this company. You, you'd be the first black partner. And, you know, so all of these things came up and they were all in my head. But then my heart was saying, but you have this desire to help women. You have a message that can empower and not only empower women, but you have this message to empower people because of the energy that you bring. So my heart was saying, Andrea, your purpose is what's important. My head was saying, Andrea, prestige is more important. And so I had to go through this reconciliation process and really ask myself, well, what is more important? And I actually had to visualize myself living my life each way, living my life with the prestige, being the CFO, being the first black partner, having all of this money, living in the house, neglecting my purpose, or 
viewing myself as following my purpose, making an impact in the lives of millions of people. And even as I'm expressing, this is like, well, of course it makes sense to which where you would go. But it, 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 it's, it's easy for me to explain this now because I've gone through it. Right. You know, when I was going through the reconciliation process, it was hard. Yeah. It is hard because logically your brain is like, it's wired to keep you safe and secure. You got a cushy, big paying job. You're climbing that corporate ladder like a boss. Like all is well, like there's no problem. Like it's not like you work for some place. It's like you're miserable every day. Like you, like life was good. It wasn't like, oh, I got to get out of this hellhole. I'm dying. Like, no, you were great. You were great. You built a house. Your family's happy and healthy. Like, all is well. So it actually is, even though it sounds and you can feel the energy of your words, it sounds like, you know, your purpose of helping more people is like, oh, it's the obvious choice. It's not. Because the helping more people comes with a tremendous amount of risk and uncertainty. And as humans, we crave certainty. We move away from pain and towards pleasure. Like, so this is where I love how you have woven in your process in how you help other people to make it smoother, easier, and more accessible to find their purpose. And then how to move through it the way that you've done. So yeah, a day in the life, like going through the visual, we can all do that. We can imagine, oh, well, if I work for myself, it's going to be great. I'll make a ton of money. I'll have all this freedom. And then you also are like, but also I have no idea what every day looks like. And that's terrifying. <laughs> yes, 100%. And as a matter of fact, like um, the Friday before I retire from the corporate world, you know, all that week, everything was great. Like I woke up that Friday morning. It was my last Friday in the office because I would be retiring that next week, Wednesday. I was like, this is my last Friday. I had a good meditation. I went to the office that day, prepared everything, you know, making sure this is in place. And I got home that Friday thinking, you know, I'm thinking it's the weekend, last Friday. And I got home and like fear hit me. It hit me like a ton of bricks. And at first I was like, well, okay, is this, is this like, you know, is this anxiety? What, what is this? I couldn't identify it at first because it was, it hit me. It was so unexpected because I was flying high, you know, all day, like, oh my gosh, this is me pursuing my purpose. And, you know, I'm following my passion. I'm doing the things that I tell my clients to do. And I literally had to sit there and I tried to brush it off. Like Andrea, this is the right thing to do. And it wouldn't leave me. So the one thing, the only thing that I had left to do to get over the fear was to go through it. And mm -hmm. so I literally, in my bedroom, I sat on my bed and I, I let fear come over me. And I went through all the possibilities. What does this look like? But the thing about fear is that fear is an illusion. And because I understood fundamentally that me doing this was following my purpose and pursuing my purpose, following my passion, doing all the things that I know that I am called to do, doing the things that, that are in alignment with the agreement that I made before I became physically manifested. Then once I, once I went through the fear and I sat in that fear and I understood that the fear was a part of the process and that the fear was an indication that greatness was on the other side, then I was able to get over that. So yes, it seems like 
of course, purpose is the obvious, you know, choice, but that doesn't mean that there aren't things that come along with that. And we have to be, you know, brave enough really to, to go within the shadow of that fear, you know, the shadow of the anxiety, the shadow of the anger, we have to go within that. And if we don't go within that, then we'll never push past it. Mm. So, it seems like the obvious choice. And, and obviously it was the obvious choice, but there's still some processing, something that some responsibility that we have in order to get through it. I'm going to repeat back what you said. Fear is part of the process. Yes. Most, I will say this, this is a vast generalization, but I will say this. I feel that most people think that if they have fear, then they cannot. Mm-hmm. The fear of rejection, the fear of judgment, the fear of, of failure, the fear of not make, doing it right, making a mistake. And because I have fear, therefore, I cannot move forward, have a business, follow my purpose, make that change, say no to that person, say yes to that thing. <laughs> and I absolutely love what you just said, because you painted a great picture, which is you let fear come. You stopped resisting. We know what we resist persists. And so instead of fighting fear like some crazy person, like, no, I don't want to be fearful. I can't feel fearful. I can't. I can't. You just said, look, I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to just sit in it. Mm -hmm. Let all the fear come. Bring it on. And you said, I was brave enough to go within. And it's true. You have to be brave because if you think of like this image of like the never ending story, like you're going in to face these terrible things, but you have to be brave in order to do that. Yep. You're not fearless. You're not like, this doesn't bother me. We're just going to go order pizza today. Like there's fear. There's a ton of fear. And also I think that that's a first huge step knowing that you actually were born to be an entrepreneur because entrepreneurship is full of fear. There's by nature, you're doing things differently every chance you can so that you can grow, you can help more people, you can shift. Like it's your job to feel fear. Yes. <laughs> and then the more comfortable you get with that fear, and like you said, the more you can sit with it and the more you can just know it's part of the process, it makes everything easier. I know at my point in my business is that when I feel fear, it is priming my system for growth. Yes. It's not priming me to run away. For, we have to understand that distinction. And so... I just, I could sit and talk about this forever. I love what you said. Fear is part of the process. I want I want that to ring in everybody's ears. Fear is part of the process. So that means I'm not wrong if I'm having fear. It means that I'm not a failure if I'm feeling fear. It also means that um, there's nothing like wrong. Like, I don't know. I guess I already said that, but it's like in a different way. Like I can't move forward to those dreams and then the next level that takes that away. It's like, no, that's that's the barrier of entry. You have to have that. It's part of the equation. Good job. High five. You have fear. Right. <laughs> Congratulations. So let's work through your process because you have a very intricate but yet simplistic four-step process for people who are looking to find their purpose and their bliss. Yes, 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 I do. <laughs> you are so great, Emily. I just love you so much. No, I love you. <laughs> And by the way, we have to we have to make mention of your podcast that I was a guest on because I feel like it was a total love fest on that episode as well, where I was like, you're just, you just stop. You just 
come on, you. Like, it's, that's the thing when you have two people who really resonate and it's like, I love you. No, I love you. Yes. High five. I want right. you. Like, <laughs> we can't help it. We can't help I it. I know. I know. It's so great. So, so yes, I do have a, uh, a four-step framework and I use this four-step framework throughout all of my programs. So I have a program, it's called 90 Days to Find Your Bliss, which is obviously 90 days. And then I have a six-month bliss mentorship and then a 12-month mastermind. But the framework looks like this because, and, and first of all, let me tell you why I developed this and then I'll get into the framework. So the reason why I developed this is because, you know, when I was going through my, my journey of self-discovery, especially when I first started it, started the journey, like I didn't have the resources to invest in the books, right? Like I didn't have the resources to hire a coach. I didn't have the resources to do a lot of things. I just didn't. Right. And I'm so grateful that I didn't because that really, again, forced me to develop this, this framework. And so the, the first step to the framework is shift. And what that means is that you have to shift your mindset. You have to shift your, your, where you are emotionally, you have to shift where you are spiritually and you have to shift where you are physically. And, and what the shifting looks like, it doesn't look like me telling you exactly what you need to do it and how you need to do it because all of us have our own journey. Like there, there are not two of us that go through the exact same process. And so I just lay out, um, you know, okay, this is what you need to do. How you come up with that, that's a part of your process and a part of your journey because two plus two equals four, but so does three plus one. But wait a minute, one and a half plus two and a half equals four also. So all of us will, will, will get to where we are. We'll get to the same endpoint, but how you get there is up to you. And it's based on your story and your, your experience. So so that's what shifting is all about. Really just, just shifting our, our being, just shifting our being. And then the second step to the framework. Well, what is, before you go, what is one way that somebody could shift something mentally, spiritually, or physically? Yeah. So, so one way that someone could shift is talk, the way you talk to yourself. A lot of people have speak negatively to themselves. And the, the, the sad part about it is we don't even realize it. Like even if you attempt to do something and you say to yourself, oh, I can't, that's negative self-talk, mm. right? So the way that you can shift, instead of saying, I can't do it, say, I will do it or I am doing it, right? Mm -hmm. I am doing this. And don't even say try because either you're doing it or you're not. You're not trying doesn't even exist. You can't, you can't try to be like, I can't try to be a black woman. Like <laughs> I am a black woman, right? I can't try to be a woman. I am a woman, right? So we right. can't try to do anything. So, so, so self-talk is I think a huge shift that, that we can make. And once we make that shift, we'll see a change because here's the thing about success, right? And success is a relative term because, you know, people define success any which way they want to. But the thing about success is success doesn't happen um, with one big moment. Success happens with small incremental moments, right? And so that one shift, instead of saying, I can't just say, I am. Mm. Right. And over time, you'll find yourself eliminating can't from your vocabulary to I am, I am. And at first you say, I am going for 
going to walk around the block. That one walk around the block becomes then walk a mile. That one mile that you walk becomes two miles. And then next thing you know, you're running marathons. So, which has happened for you as well. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, it has. <laughs> but I want to add to that because so the word try is like coach's code word for I'm not doing this. Like when you talk to someone and they're like, I'm really been trying to med- meditate every day. Yeah. I'm really trying to eat better. I'm really trying to work out every day. <laughs> Yes. You either do or you do not. There is no try. That's what Yoda says. The second thing is speaking negatively to yourself. That's huge. And you can catch yourself speaking negatively if you would, if you have kids or if you are around some kids. If you wouldn't say that to your child or a child, you got to stop saying it to yourself. Like, I made the analogy, my son was taking piano lessons and he sounds terrible. And so like, you know, he's probably playing like having a great old time. But as an adult, we would start playing like, oh, I'm not going to amount to anything. I'm never going to be Mozart. I can't be da 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 da. I'm just like, I should just quit because I'm not good enough. Would you ever say that? Like, I'm going to say to my son, hey, Tristan, you know what? You should probably just give up now. Like, let's just call a spade a spade. You're terrible and it's not going to amount to anything. No. My God, what a monster, right? Exactly. Add a little flavor to that. All right. So shifting, one thing that you can do right now and commit to, not try, is the way that you speak to yourself. I love that. That's a great takeaway. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And so the second part of the framework is releasing. So in in order to, to move to that next level, you have to release or you have to let go of everything that no longer serves your purpose. And that may mean people. Mm-hmm. That may mean places. That may mean things. I mean, when when I was in my process of, of becoming who I am today, there were so many people that I had to let go of. And the 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 interesting part about the people that I've had to let go of, some of these people were really close to me. Right? Like, like some of these people were really close to me. But here's the deal. They no longer served my purpose, right? Because I was on a journey and they were like dead weight. And this is nothing against them because I fundamentally believe that that people do the best that they can with the resources that they have. And so this is not anything against the people that I had to let go but it wasn't serving me. So you have to be willing to release the limiting beliefs. You have to be willing to release the identity that you've created for yourself. You have to be able to release, you know, what you think, you know, release your beliefs, release your expectations. If you are not willing to, to let go, then you will be stuck and you will be repeating the same cycles. And because you're repeating the same cycles, you'll get the same results you've always gotten. Exactly. And I think it's hard sometimes because the person who we are right now, our identity and the people we have around us and the people, places and things that we have in our life and the beliefs we have just make up who we are. And so there's that fear that shows up and goes like, if I let go of that, if I let go of my identity, then who the hell am I? Yep. And that's terrifying. And that's for me where I see most people have that resistance that shows up like they I, they want the thing. But when it comes, like push comes to shove and things start to shift and then their identity becomes compromised, they can either totally go into breakdown or have the biggest tremendous breakthrough of their life. Yes. You know, an identity that I had for myself was, you know, so I, I knew that I was like this, even as a little girl before, you know, 
my encounter with God or whatever. Like I, I just felt like there was something like special about me. I've always felt special. And, you know, as I was growing up, I thought, man, you know, I'm so special. That means I'm going to be like a popular kid. And so I sought out like popular people to hang out with and it just never felt right to me. And so I had to release this identity that I needed to be associated with popular people in order to be popular myself. And, you know, it's like, instead of sitting at the lunch table with all the popular kids, I had to release that identity and say, you know what, I'm going to sit at my table by myself and whoever's going to come is going to come. And whoever likes me, they'll like me. Whoever don't, they, they won't. And, you know, it can be isolating at times, but again, it was best for me in my journey. Oh, I love that. And what you're talking about is saying no to things and letting things go that don't match your higher self, your bigger vision, who you want to become. And that's the biggest takeaway, which is, you know, and people come into our lives for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And I have people who were such a match and we resonated so much growing up, but then we started to drift and the things that I was interested in, they weren't really, but it doesn't mean that they're like dead to me. And I'm like, F you, peace. Right. I, <laughs> <laughs> they kind of just fade out. Yep. They just kind of fade out because you respect yourself and you love yourself too much to be around people who don't vibe in that same place. So maybe it's not going to parties of people who are just like crazy drinkers. That's kind of like what I did is like, I love you, but like, I'm not really into getting totally smashed on St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) Like, I love eating corned beef, but I don't want to do that. Or it's like hanging out with like, like, infiltrating, like allowing yourself to bring more of the good stuff into like crowding your life with all the good things that make you feel really good so that the other things can start to just like, there's no room for them anymore. Right. And so I would say an action item, what you said, which is look at some of your beliefs, some of your identity things, and even like the belongings in your house. I know for me, one of the biggest shifts for me when I was having a really big growth year is I donated a ton of clothes and like objects around my house. Like I just got rid of things that was like, this is who I used to be when I was like struggling and depressed out of my, like out of my mind. Like I was so dark. Like when I look at this thing and this isn't like about like Marie Kondo in your life, but it kind of is like, (laughs) but like, does this bring me joy? Is this my higher self? Would my higher self read this book again? Would she wear this like ripped up shirt from Walmart because she had no money and she was broke as a joke? Mm. I don't really like how that makes me feel anymore. Right, right. You know, it's so interesting because, you know, you kind of mentioned that we we built the house. And a quick story about that is before I, I actually built the house, I had the story that I was telling myself. And we're still talking about releasing, right? Because stories mm-hmm. that we tell ourselves are so important because we, we are not the stories that we tell, but we become the stories because we start to believe them. And so we create the situations that make these stories true. So a story that I was telling myself was, I'm a poor black girl from the ghetto, therefore I can't build a house. Now, mind you, Emily, as I was telling this story, uh, well, I've always been black, but I was no longer poor. I was making six figures. Yeah. And and I, I didn't live in a ghetto. Like I lived in the suburbs in a white house with two cars in the driveway. But the story that I was telling myself was that I'm this poor black girl from the ghetto. So who did I think that I was that I could build a house. And the minute, I kid you not, the minute I released that story, 
everything started opening up. We like a builder reached out to us, invited us to this open house. And they told us how we can go about doing it. Cause I didn't know anyone who built the house. And then we found a land like two weeks later, we purchased the land. The loan was like so smooth. This process was so like everything started happening the minute I let go of the story. So when we went to sell our house, we literally, the only thing that we kept from our old house that we brought into, you know, our, our new home was our dining room table. And that was because we, we paid so much money for it and we wanted to be an heirloom for our kids, but everything else with the exception of like brand new, we bought brand new, purchased brand new beds too. So we brought like the box bringing mattress and all of that. But everything else we got rid of because that no longer served me. That represented the Andrea and the Michelle family at a different time frame than than who we are right now today. But more importantly, who I am today. Mm. Oh, okay. So, oh my gosh. Like, so I think we need to do a whole episode on how to identify our stories because the problem is that our stories are running in the background, in our subconscious. But we know 95% of our life is run by our subconscious brain anyway. So like, this is a big problem. Mm-hmm. Most, should we just say all the things that happen in our brain are like a story? Could we just- Yes, yes. Everything is a story. Yes. So like, you know, I I couldn't, I, like literally everything we tell ourselves is a story. It's not a truth. It's not like it's hard to identify our beliefs because we think that they are truth because they are running. So, for instance, this example has come up like, you know, my I have a neighbor who lost a son, a a grown. He was a grown man, but she lost a son. And when the holidays come up or his birthday or his death anniversary comes up, she goes into this like darkness and and she's like, well, the holidays are here. And I'm like yeah she's like well he was he's gone like well did he not like the holidays she said no he loved the holidays like okay so the story she's telling herself is that in order to remember him yep she has to mourn him and re like it's she's almost like re-traumatizing herself from his death yes every holiday season and she's bringing this like dark cloud this belief that the holidays are a time of darkness because he's not here but that's not true nope because her family loves her. They show up, they celebrate, they do all these wonderful things. They gather and they have this, it's a, but, it, but it's like the story, it's this underlying story yep. that's showing this life. You had this underlying story. I was a poor black woman from the ghetto, which that was not true in any way, shape or form. But if there's a part of yourself that's thinking that, you are literally blocking the next possibility from showing up. As soon as you went in within, Yep. And you identified that. How did you identify? I mean, like, this is where people can probably start using like a little bit of your process, which is like, well, how can I identify this as just a story? Yeah. So, because I remember, I remember when I identified it too, I was actually, I was still working at corporate, obviously. And I was talking to a a woman on my team and I can't remember, we were just talking and we were talking about something that required money And all of a sudden, like in my head, it was like, poor black girl. And I was like, and to myself, I was like, I'm not a poor black girl. And so I finished the conversation, but then I, I, because I've always been like a very um, introspective person, like, you know, okay, wait, what was that about? Yeah. Later on, I was like, where did that thought? Because here's the thing about our stories is that, you know, it's a big story, right? But they show themselves in our thoughts, right? And so it was like, well, where did that 
thought come from? And I was like, poor. And I was like, oh, wait, because I've been telling the story that I'm, I'm a poor black girl from the ghetto. Like that's where that thought came from. Right. And because I've been telling that story, that was the belief that I held. And a belief is only a story that you tell over and over again. And so the way that I, that I identify that that was a story was re- was through the thought that I had mm. and not just dismissing that thought like, oh, Andre, you're not poor, blah, blah, blah. But really going within that thought and trying to understand, well, it came from somewhere because we weren't talking about black. We weren't talking about poor. We weren't talking about ghetto. Like, but it it, it showed up. And so I went within that thought and I was like, Oh my freaking goodness. I am not, I'm not this poor black girl from the ghetto. <laughs> yeah. So do, do you follow that thought back to like, where was the first time I had that thought? Where did that thought come in? Like, where do you follow your thought to? Honestly, Emily, it depends. Okay. It, it depends on what I'm dealing with because there was one thought that I had, um, that I had to trace it all the way back to being five years old. But then there are other thoughts that I have where they really only go back three months. So it yeah. just really depends on, you know, the, the, what the thought is. There are some that you do have to go all the way back there and some you don't. But then also, Emily, there are times when I will have a thought and the origin of that thought is not important at the time. Yeah. What's important is that I identify identify it because Mm. there are some things that will come up and you may not never know like the why behind it. Mm. And and that's not the reason for the thought showing up. The reason for the thought showing up is just to kind of uh, raise your awareness of it. Like, oh, hey, be careful. Watch out for this thought. Because if you don't, it could be dangerous in the future. So sometimes they they show up and they're just caution signs for us. But then sometimes it's time for us to do the deep level spiritual healing work that we need to do. Yes. And I was just realizing that one of the ways that we can start identifying our thoughts and our stories and our beliefs, there's the work by Byron Katie, and there's some simple questions, which is, is it true? Like the first question is like, is that true? Mm -hmm. I'm a poor black woman from the ghetto. (laughs) I mean, I was. Right, right. (laughs) But is it true now? No. No, exactly. And then the next is like, who would I be without that thought? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would be probably building a baller house right now with my husband. Boom. And then it's like, like, so I think that we all find our own process, but I think it's very important to pause here to say, what if you could challenge yourself to think, is this just a story I'm telling myself? Is there a hundred percent truth? Like everyone around the world, a hundred percent believes this. Like (laughs) what is true? Like the sun comes up every day. That's true. Everyone believes that, right? You, you, you actually, somebody in my team challenged my thought because I was like, one day we're going to have a farm with land. And she's like, well, you don't have to only find land because you bought it. I'm like, oh, you're so true. I'm like, thank you for bringing that. But that's the thing is like, we just say these things and like, it's like normal, but it's great to have people who can challenge you and go, but that's not the only way. Exactly. So you're saying no one ever got land just given to them. You're saying no one leased land. You're saying that's never happened. Like that's that's where we get into like it can be really fun. So yes, before we make this a nine hour episode, let's go to the next step. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem. I should talk to you forever. I know, I know. So so the third step in the framework is is reinvent. 
And this step is so important. And this is actually where like the fun begins, if you will, right? Because the first two steps is, it's, you know, you're really doing the digging. You're doing the, the, the dirty work, the, the necessary dirty work, right? Because yeah. you can't get to step three without going through step one and step two. So it's, you get to reinvent who you want to be right? You've, you've shifted your, your, who you are, your entire being, and you've released everything that, that no longer serves you. And now you start with this, with this blank canvas and it's white and you can paint it whatever colors you want to paint it. You can, you can do whatever you want to do. And, and I know for me in my journey, you know, I decided when I was going through this, this reinvention, if you will, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be this confident woman. I'm going to be this strong woman, this powerful woman that when I walk in the room, people are going to turn their heads and look at me. And the thing about it is that's exactly who I am today. That is 100% who I am today. But it's only because once I let all of that go, I reinvented who I wanted to become. And, and you know, it, what's that saying? Nature abhorbs a, a vacuum or whatever it is. It's like, if you don't create, you know, once you have this empty space, if you don't then intentionally fill it, it's going to get full, yeah. but it's going to be full of BS and stuff <laughs> you no longer want. And you're going to bring back in some of the same old thoughts and some of the same old beliefs. And that's why this, this reinvent phase is so important because you've let go of the limiting beliefs. But if you don't fill them, fill yourself with good, positive, affirming beliefs, those same limiting beliefs are going to find you again. And you're going to find yourself where you were before you started the journey. Yes. So reinventing yourself, is there, I mean, I would imagine that the reinvent is also happening before even step one, because there's that part of you that's no, that knows she's there. Like, I don't know who she is, but she's there. So I'm sure that's, it's like the undertone, but it sounds like what you're really doing in reinvent is deepening your commitment. Yes to the previous two steps as well. Like, how can I take it even deeper? How do I crowd out the, the, the bad, heavy, negative stuff that's making me feel like I used to feel? And how do I become that right now today, that embodiment of who I want to be one day? I think, I think that step three can be so challenging. And again, it's, it's challenging your ego, it's challenging your identity, it's challenging your relationships and your lifestyle. But it's a matter of being more committed to your faith right? than to be committed to your fear of it not working or, you know, being stuck in this hole. And it almost can be compared, if you think of, like, if people have you've ever tried to change your diet, you know, you're going to be hungry during the day. We know that. That's a fact. And if you're me, you have to be eating all the time. But it's like, do I fill my house and my refrigerator and the pantry with all this like processed junky food that doesn't like fuel my body or am I going to have things like prepared ahead of time so when I am hungry I can put the good stuff in my body that's going to give me more energy and vitality 
Yeah, exactly. And, and this is where intentions are so vitally important. It's this phase. I mean, intentions are always important because intention like that, the intention is the why behind the why, you know, it's like, why did you start this journey of self-discovery? Okay. That's what it is. But then why now? And so intentions are extremely important because when it comes to, you know, filling, going back to what you said about filling your house, being hungry and filling your house. It's like, when you go to the grocery store, if you go to the grocery store with the intention of just eating, then chances are you're going to fill your cart with junk. But if you go to the grocery store with the intention of being this healthy person who's full of vitality, who's always in alignment with her higher self, with her higher purpose, then you're going to go to, towards foods that are nutritious, that are whole. So it's, it's in this phase where you really have to be conscious, funny, conscious of your intentions so that you can begin to reinvent the person who you really want to be. Like, like you want to be more confident, but, but, but why? What's the intention behind that? Because a confident person would show up and a confident person wouldn't have a problem talking with people, helping them get their life straight right? Like, like a, a, a powerful person won't have a problem with being in front of presidents and CEOs and executives and owning the space and telling them exactly what they need to hear, not what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. So that is the intention behind, you know, me saying I wanted to be confident and me saying I want to be powerful. It's the intention that's so vitally important. Mm. And so again, your question for the listeners, just as a refresh, and actually I might ask you if we can get like a PDF that we can give to our listeners for these steps to really like drive it home for the left brain folks or people who are driving and not fully present and like doing the work. But you said, who do you want to be? And so it's good to ask the question, like if you have a big goal, you know, well, I want to have a million dollar year. Well, who do I need to be? what would a million dollar earner do? How can I be a million dollar? How can I make those million dollar earner actions right now? Would a million dollar earner do X, Y, Z? Would a million dollar business, blah, blah, blah. And Andrea and I have both had these conversations with each other too throughout like our time. And it's like, well, what would million, million dollar Andrea do? Would she do this? No, absolutely not. And it makes your decision, it, it takes you out of indecision and, and unclear thoughts to there's there's no way that million dollar Andrea would do this, right. experience this, be with these people, have these things. That's called alignment, folks. That's called alignment. And so you're always aligning yourself to who I want to be mm -hmm. in each moment, in each decision, each action, and your intention is everything. Yes. 100%. Oh, you're so good. And I mean, we talked about consciousness before we came on. That's why we both were like, ding, ding, ding. It's like the word of the day. <laughs> because really what Andrea embodies is this purpose consciousness, which is, it's a whole, it's a big, like big, big picture that encompasses all these different attributes that we're talking about, the stories, the intentions, you know, how we speak to ourselves, like all these things, they kind of go under like sub subcategories. But Andrea's like, look, if you really want to know your purpose, let's go through and let's go through this consciousness, like unveiling, let's go through this process, which is so powerful for her, her clients. Um, 
And then the fourth step? Yes. <laughs> so the fourth and final step of the framework is, is maintaining. Um, you know, once you've shifted, released, and, you know, you've reinvented yourself, now you need to work on maintaining who you've become, right? Like, this is basically like that, that testing out phase. How do you know that it works? You won't know until you test it out. And so it's a matter of really living your life as this new person with this new identity and taking everything that you've learned throughout your process and really applying it to your life. Because, you know, this whole saying that knowledge is power is BS. Knowledge is not power. It's applied knowledge that's power. Like, who cares if you know the entire, you know, almanac or encyclopedia? Like, like that means nothing. If you're not doing anything with it, then it's useless and you, you know, you're not serving anyone if you're not using it. So, so the last step again, it's, it's maintaining what you have created and offering up gratitude for your own creation. Mm. It's like rinse and repeat, keep going, keep going. And I think and everyone's like, Oh good. Ah, maintenance. Okay. I can do maintenance. That's not like more work. It actually, what it is, it's keeping you in integrity. Yes. And maintenance is not just keeping you, it's it's saying like, okay, you're here. And so a lot of people come and they're like, well, oh, I thought I already worked on my, I already already cleared my issue with my father. Like, well, yeah, you did on that first step, but now you are raising. So I kind of compare the spiritual maintenance as like when you sweep your stairs, right? So like you sweep the top step or like the bottom step and you walk up a step, you're like, oh, well, you have to sweep all of them, right? So we swept the bottom step. Good job. High five. As you are ascending, as you are growing, because that's what Andrea's work does, that's what my work does, is it allows you to transform and it allows you to become a better version of yourself. Well, you are peeling off these layers and you're moving up these next steps. So that first layer, you did a great job. You cleared it, you did that work, but now you're on a new step mm -hmm. and there's more work to do here. So it's it's the maintenance of going back to shifting and releasing and reinventing. Okay, next step, shift, release, and reinvent. Okay, great. Next up. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and that's why it works over time. Why, why, that's why Andrea has 90 days, six month and 12 month programs is because you're going to grow if, yeah. if all goes well. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's the hope. Growth is the hope. And again, like I said, there are people who take, there's two roads. The, there's, there's the, I'm going to face this fear and I'm going to do this work or I'm going to be like, peace. See you later. I'm not up for the challenge and I'm going to implode. I'm going to go back to the old patterns, my old self, my old relationships and everything else. Like, see you later. I'm going to be under the rug. Mm -hmm. And people do that. And that's a, that, that's something that both of us really have to accept as a coach and as a leader in our field is that sometimes people just are not ready and prepared to do this level of transformational work. You want it. There's a part of you that wants it so bad and we love you for it. But then there's the other part that's just like, you know what? I'm so much in my ego, I'm in resistance, and I cannot and I will not move forward. And you will fight for your limitations and you will yes. stay there. Yes, 100%. <laughs> so I think that these four steps are not just insightful, but they are so reasonable for people to be able to do right now. And like, even if they just listen to this podcast episode and we're like, got it, check the box, I can do this on my own. Great. You guys are awesome. Right. <laughs> but 
But for the vast majority who are like, I could use a little bit more in-depth understanding and actually I want to make it a little bit more. I want to be a little selfish and like make this about me and like, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know. And when you can make it about yourself and really get in and do this work with Andrea, you can have these big shifts. It's it's hard to say, okay, in a 90 minute episode or an hour episode, I got the steps, got it, we're going to move it. That's, you can, but what we're saying is it's a little, it's like, yes, and there's, there's, there's more. You've got like this, the short, like soundbite overview. <laughs> and there's a, there's like a Pandora's box about to open up for you. So if you're ready to do that work and you're really serious about finding your purpose and you know that there's something inside of you that's like calling for help and has no idea how to start, knows that like no idea how to make those transitions or you're at a crossroads like Andrea was talking about, this could be like this could be coming to you at the exact right moment where you need guidance, where you need support, and you need a mentor to show you the way. So I appreciate you, Andrea, for being able to share your wisdom with everybody at this time. And I know people will be listening to it repetitively. And I hope to annoy some people by talking about how everything is just a story. I was like, no, it's not a story. You really don't even know, okay? <laughs> but I think the underlying message is a couple things. Number one is not being a victim. Right. It's going within. Yes. And it's coming from a place of love. Yes. And I really appreciate you sharing those things with us. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for for having me. It's, it, it's, it's my honor here we go, the love fest. But, you know, I have a great deal of love and respect for you. You have helped me out tremendously on, on my journey of, of becoming who I am right now. Um, and so it, thank you for having me. <laughs> it's my pleasure. It's, it is really my pleasure. Thank you for this. And I hope that I can do more episodes that are like this one because it gives people like tangible takeaways, action steps. And I know people love it. And if you're listening to us right now, of course, we should have probably mentioned it earlier to find us, take a screenshot, find us on Instagram, tag us in your stories. Obviously, I'm at Emily Aaron's. You're at Andrea Michelle Coaching. Is Andrea that? Michelle Consulting. Consulting. Andrea Michelle Consulting on Instagram. And um, where else? So your web, give your website and all your other. Oh, your- yeah. Okay. So my website is andreamichelle.com. Really simple. And, and I should say Michelle is M-I-C-H-E-L, not the, the American way. It's French. So it's Andrea, M-I-C-H-E-L.com. That's my website. You already mentioned my Instagram, Facebook, same, same handle, Andrea Michelle Consulting, although the page name is Andrea Michelle Intuitive Transformational Coach. I'm on Twitter, AAM Consulting. I'm everywhere. Yes. <laughs> so you guys can go to her website and find all those links. Yes. <laughs> If you guys want to work with Andrea, you can go to her website. And um, thank you guys for listening all the way through. I know this has been a big one for you. So again, if you have to listen to it a couple times just to get all the pieces, it's good. Get the download and we will see you on the next episode. Andrea, thank you. Always a pleasure to be with you. You're welcome. Hey there, it's me again. Hoping you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, feel free to leave a comment, a review, 
share with friends, or post your story about how much you enjoyed this episode. Talk to you next week.